Okay, everyone. Hey, we are here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. Love to spend this time with you every day. And I bring you the Word of God. We're in a great series. I love this series. Let's meet Jesus. That's what it's called. That simple. Let's meet Jesus again for the first time. That's what we're doing here on New Hope Radio. And why do we do that? Uh, You know, sometimes we get a little familiar. We get indifferent. You know, we think, oh, I know all that. I've heard that before. Sometimes we need a fresh start, a kickstart with the Lord. That's what we're doing in this series. So it's a good one. I hope you like it. You know what I like? I like the fact that there are many prophecies that spoke of the coming Messiah. That's the thing that really won me. You know, you can read about what was written about Jesus hundreds of years before it really happened. His birth was prophesied, that he'd be born in Bethlehem. His character was described before he was born, humanly, that he would have a humble character. He'd be a humble man. His death was prophesied that he would die on a cross. It was also prophesied that he would rise again, rise from the grave. Then there were other things that kind of point to the reality of Christ and God. We have the divine design of nature. And you think about nature. I mean, if it wasn't for the divine design, we wouldn't be here. Water goes up, water comes down. What do we call that? Evaporation, condensation. We've got photo, photo, yep, photosynthesis. Plants actually change carbon dioxide into oxygen. <laughs> Where would we be without that? If it's like we're living in this giant air filtration system, God has designed it so the plants that surround us convert what we breathe out into what. We need to breathe in. Yeah. So think about the tides, the earth's rotation, how important those are. The balance of nature is truly a divine design. Now, as obvious as these things do tell of the existence of God, you can still debate them, and people do, don't they? Oh, yeah. They debate all the scientific things. They debate the prophecies, that's for sure. But there's one aspect of God that cannot be debated. And you know what that is? That's the aspect of a changed life. There's one thing you cannot debate. You cannot debate a changed life. That's what we're talking about today. And maybe your life is one of those demonstrations of the existence of God. Because your life has changed. This is where we find Saul of Tarsus. Okay? You heard of Saul of Tarsus. Oh, this guy, he was a bad dude. The story brings us to the book of Acts. There was a man named Stephen. He was a deacon. He's a good man. And he was preaching about the crucified Christ and how Christ was risen. And there were some Jews there, religious people. 
and they didn't like what he was saying. So they did what many people seem to be doing even today. When they don't like what someone else is saying, you know what they do? They kill him. Yeah. We live today in what's called the cancel culture. And if people don't like what you're saying, they just cancel you out <laughs> in all kinds of ways. In Stephen's case, it was by stoning. So in Acts chapter 8, it opens up with a man named Saul, and he's actually giving consent to this act. It's like he's watching it happen. Saul was a Pharisee. He was a high-up Pharisee, top of the Pharisaical scale. And in verse 1, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death. Hearty agreement. You know what that means? To think well of. To feel gratified. This guy's Saul of Tarsus, right? He's thinking like, yeah, man, this is a good idea. This is good. Let's kill that kid. That's a good idea. You know, for some people, violence is gratifying. It really is. That a violent act somehow, some way, satisfies them and gratifies them. That's how it was with Saul. And then it started. The Bible says, On that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So Christians, man, they ran for their lives. They fled. But the apostles, oh, they stayed home. They endured. They stuck it out. And then in verse 2, Stephen had an honorable burial. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentations over him. It's always sad when you see a good man die, when his life was taken from him prematurely. But look at Saul. And then look at the Christians. First Saul, verse 3. Saul began ravaging the church, ravaging like a ferocious animal after its prey. Ever see a lion and chase a deer and catch that deer? Oh, it's an awful sight, unless you're another lion. So Saul, he's ravaging the church, entering, what? House after house, dragging off men and women, and he put them in prison. What was he doing? He was basically trying to dissolve the church. Get rid of this church. He thought, he thought this church was an affront against God, against the Jewish God. You know, here we are 2,000 years later. It seems like people are still trying to cancel the church. You know, we've got governments trying to shut down churches. There's a pastor in Canada. He was arrested. He went to prison for opening up his church on a Sunday. The Apostle Paul he confessed later in Acts chapter 26. He said, So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. See, a lot of people didn't like that name. Jesus of Nazareth. Who's that? that guy was a zealot. He was a rebel. He came to undo the Jewish law. And Jesus said, No, that's not why he came. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. I came to do what no one what no one else could do. 
I came to fulfill the law on your behalf. Uh, people didn't get that. They couldn't follow that reasoning. So Saul said about himself, this is just what I did in Jerusalem. I locked up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. I'm like, what? It was religious people who were behind this atrocity. Religious people. See, the church today has two human enemies, the atheists and the religious. <laughs> what, what, what a combination, huh? The atheists don't like the church. They're trying to shut it down. Religious people, they don't like the church because <clears throat> they're like, they'd rather have a system than a person. So Saul received authority from the chief priests, and he also, when they were being put to death, he cast his vote against them. So Saul was against killing Christians. I mean, he was for it. He was for killing Christians. Cast his vote against them. He said, and as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, speak against their Christ, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them, even to foreign cities. You know, it wasn't enough for this guy, Saul of Tarsus. He wasn't content with eradicating the locals. No, he had to travel miles and miles and get rid of as many as he could. So that's the profile of this man named Saul from Tarsus. Now, the Christians. Therefore, verse 4, those who had been scattered, they went about <laughs> preaching the word. I'm like, yeah. Even though these people were persecuted and they were scattered, the spirits were not dimmed. Not at all. See, when you've got the faith and the faith is real, that's not going out. That's a candle that can't be blown out. One writer said, thus, the very means devised by Satan to destroy the church became the very instruments of its spreading and its establishment. See, you can't, you cannot neg negatively affect what God is doing. You know why? <laughs> There's no match for God. There's no match. I don't care if it's the devil himself. There's no match for God. You cannot outsmart God. You can't. You can't go up against God. So we get to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder, man, this guy's got an attitude, doesn't he? He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So he went to the, the high priest. He went to the big cheese of the, of the, of the uh, Jewish religion. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of, at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's what the Christians were called, the way. They followed the way of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. So if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul got a letter, and that letter gave him authority. It's kind of like a warrant. It's a warrant for the arrest of followers of Christ. So he's on his way to Damascus. I'm going to get them. I'm going to catch them. I'm going to bring them back. 
Then one special day on the road to Damascus. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As, it was tra- as he was traveling, it happened that as, as he was approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven oh, 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 flashed around him. You know, I like that phrase, as he was traveling. See, God can show up at any time. Any time. So I wasn't expecting this. And this light flashed around him. God took his picture. Oh, yeah. Took a photo. How many of you have ever taken a picture of something? That's why I like smartphones. You got the built-in camera. You don't have to carry a camera anymore. You know, you go out, you take a picture of something, you send it to somebody. I remember last summer, we needed some patio cushions. So I'm out at the store, and I see these patio cushions, like, oh, these are pretty cool. Take a couple of pictures, click, click, send them off to Donna. Hey, you like these cushions? Oh, yeah, I like them. Okay, I'll get them. Got them. You know, you take a picture of places to remember, right? We like to go places and take some snapshots of our, on our smartphones. So we can remember and, oh, we email them to people and we post them and we show people where we've been and what we did. Sometimes we take a picture of someone to show them off, like grandchildren. Oh, have you seen the pictures of my grandchildren? We take pictures. We take pictures of our kids playing Little League baseball. Well, God took Saul's picture. And this flash, man, this is overkill. You know why? (laughs) He fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. And you know, in the Greek language, this is an expression of tenderness. The voice wasn't yelling at Saul. It wasn't rebuking Saul. It was tender. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Who's talking to me? And the voice said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And Saul, you know those people that you're hurting? As much as you've done it to the least of them, you've done it to me. Saul, you think you're hurting them but you're hurting me. Folks, this statement has not gone out of date. Whatever we do to God's people, oh yeah, God takes it personally. So Saul responds to Jesus, and he got up from the ground. And though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Oh, he was blinded. He was blinded. And leading him by the hand, They brought him into Damascus. Oh, now he's, you know what? He was going to to Damascus to arrest people. Now he's going to Damascus. He can't even see where he's going. He had to be led by the hand. For three days he was there, and he didn't eat, he didn't drink, and he couldn't see. And then in verse 10, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias. Ananias said, Here I am, Lord. You always want to respond that way when you feel God calling you. Here I am, Lord. 
See, God uses people who are available. Want to be used by God in a great way? He wants to use you. Just be available. That's it. Ananias, he's available. And the Lord said to him, Ananias, I want you to get up. And I want you to go to the street called Straight. Go to Straight Street and inquire at the house of Judas. There's a man there from Tarsus. He's named Saul. And he's praying. So Saul had a conversion. And he's praying. <laughs> he's praying. I love it. See, who can change someone like that but God? Only God can change a life. And that's what, what we need to understand today. Only God can change a life. So Ananias obeyed because he was available. And he laid hands on Saul. And he prayed for Saul. And you know what? <laughs> Saul received his sight back. Now he could see. In verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight. And he got up. Oh, you're not going to believe this one. He got baptized. He went right in the water. What is baptism? Baptism is a public profession of our inner faith. So Saul had a wake-up call by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had a conversion. Then he went public. Wow. He went public with it, and he got baptized. And then he took some food. He ate, and he was strengthened. Now, for several days, it says in verse 19, he was with the disciples at Damascus. Wow. What a turnaround. A 360, would you say? And immediately, <laughs> it gets better. He began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues. Wait a minute. He was going to the synagogues to arrest people that were followers of Christ. Now he's going to the synagogues to tell people about Christ. And you know what he was saying? Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> he's a, hey, people, listen up. You're right. I was wrong. You were right. He is the Son of God. And you know, the people, they were amazed. They're like, this is the same man who was persecuting us. How can this be? I don't know about this guy. You know, some people were afraid to go to Saul because they're like, no, no, we, we, we heard about this guy. He hates Christians. But no, no, now he is one. You know why? Because God changed his life. Verse 22, Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. See, Paul, he knew the Old Testament. And I got a feeling all the prophecies about Christ became alive in his heart. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. <clears throat> he knew the Bible. And he studied all those prophecies, and he never made a connection with this Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, but when God opened up his eyes... 
That's exactly what happened. His eyes were open. And he was like, oh, I can't believe. How did I miss it? How did I not see Christ in these scriptures? But he finally did. Paul, who God changed his name from Saul to Paul, was a changed man. See, you can debate doctrine. You can debate science. But you cannot argue against a changed life. You can't do it. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a man named George. I know George. I know him personally. George struggled with alcohol. Life was not good. You know, when people have that battle, life life is, is it's difficult. And uh, I haven't seen him for a long time. Years. And then we met one day, just bumped into each other. <clears throat> and George had the biggest grin on his face that I ever saw. And he said, Dave. He said, hi, George. He said, Dave. I'm born again. I wanted to cry. Because I knew where he came from. He said, oh, Dave, I'm born again. <laughs> that was music to my ears. He joined AAA. And now he does a Bible study with other people that struggle with alcohol. George's proof, along with many others, me too. Only God can change a life. And when he does, you know it's really him. Just ask Saul. Just ask George. Hey, you can even ask me. I know my life's changed for the better. What's the point? Here's the point. Don't ever give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. However you're feeling about your life, don't give up. God is in the business, not of making rules. Oh, people got that all wrong. He's not in the business of making rules. He's in the business of changing lives. And he can change any life. But the life, all it needs to do is make itself available to him. That's it. You know, God is in the rescue and restore business. He rescues us from ourselves. Sometimes, you know, the mess we can get ourselves in, and I know I got myself in plenty. Oh, yeah. But he rescues. And he restores. And he makes brand new. I did a message one time 
Oh, God is in the flea market business. You know, people that go to flea markets, right? They go and they, they buy stuff and usually the stuff that's at the flea market or a yard sale, it's rejected. Maybe it's not as good as it used to be. It's considered to be maybe even trash by the one that's selling it. And people go there and they buy it and they take it home and they fix it up and clean it up and make it work and it's worth even more. God does that for us. He's in, he, he goes into the flea market of sin and he buys us out and takes us and he fixes us and he works in us and cleans us up and sharpens us and makes us brand new. And then we, oh, so much better than we were before. He changes us, changes our lives. And maybe you think, well, I don't need my life changed. Well, oh, there is one part of my life that I'd like to change. Okay, God will do that. He will do that for you. Just make yourself available. That's it. Ananias did. Saul did. The disciples, right? When Jesus called the disciples, they could have said, Oh, no, Lord, you know, we'd like to come, but man, we got fish to fry. <laughs> we got fish to catch and fish to fry. We don't have time. But they made themselves available. And you know what God did with them? He used them to change the world. And to change us, here we are. We are brand new creatures because of what? Them. Other people made themselves available to God, and God used them to witness to us. And we became born of God. And now when you make yourself available to God, He'll use you to help somebody else find life and hope in Christ. And it just keeps going. Oh, the church. It just keeps going, and it just keeps growing. So really think about that. Really think about God. He's in the business, first and foremost, of changing lives. That's what people know, need to understand. It's not about rules. He's about life change. That's what he wants to do, because when he changes somebody's life, you know what he does? He makes himself known. Through the prophecies, through the divine divine of nature, divine design of nature, and through the changed life of a human being. God makes himself known. He really does. And you know it if he's changed your life. Hey, have you joined our YouTube channel? Go to newhopecc.tv, click on media, click on New Hope Radio, click on the New Hope icon, hit subscribe, boom, you'll be there. Thank you, for, thank you for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.